And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we are back. Welcome to yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. We have a really special show set up for you today, but first I want to tell you about our very, very special episode sponsor. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Helium 10, cutting edge software that helps grow your business on Amazon. Startup Hustler listeners get 50% off their first month of Helium 10 Platinum when you go to helium10.com and use the code HUSTLE at checkout. Don't wait. To get 50% off your first month, go to helium10.com and use code HUSTLE. I'm Lauren Conaway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC and one of the co-hosts of the Startup Hustle podcast. And today we have with us a woman who really should need no introduction, but I'm going to go ahead and introduce her anyway. But this woman has been a, a hero to me for years. We're going to talk about some very cool stuff, but uh, welcome, welcome, Miss Anita Newton, uh, Chief Innovation Officer of Community America. Anita, thank you so much for being here today. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, well, well. so let's, I, I, I don't want to waste any time with the trivialities. I want to hop right into it. So tell me this, why don't you, well, first, tell us a little bit about Anita. I want to hear a little bit about you, and then I want to hear about kind of what you do for Community America. Yeah, well, Lauren, thanks so much for having me. I am, a, I, you know, we can have a mutual fan club. So <laughs> I, I just love, I love what you're doing. And I love how you're to build up the community in, in the right way so but you, you do the exact same thing like you you i mean community america you um you lead an organization that is extremely community minded like i mean it's right there in the title but um <laughs> community america does some amazing work to, yeah. to fund and to grow and to help organizations companies um you know you do you do amazing work uh, well, thank you. That is, I mean, that I, it's great to hear that. I feel like I literally won the lottery when I took this job and, you know, truth be told, I didn't know what a credit union was when I started. I wasn't even really familiar with all the benefits of a credit union and community America, but just, you know, on that side, you know, I am so lucky because I work for an organization that is really focused on helping uh, customers and members deliver peace of mind for our members. So we really care about our customers. And for me, even though I have a fancy title, I'm, title, I'm basically just an entrepreneur living in the basement who collects a 401k. So there's no delusions of grandeur, but I'm able to really think about our customers. We call them members really deeply and think about what they need and how we could be most helpful for them. And I just feel so lucky that I have the privilege to build out products and services and branded experience to make that happen. And yeah. 
go into that. I think the only just thing I would say about me personally is um, I'm from Kansas, but right now I live in Perry Village with my husband and my two uh, teenage children who are in the full on eye roll phase. Uh, stronger than Wait, you as a mom, I'm just like, really, really eye rolls kids. Come on. Uh, <laughs> Don't kid yourself. And then, uh, and a couple of dogs. So I have a wonderful uh, life there and just love living in Kansas City and just feel so fortunate to work where I do. So yeah. that's a little, little bit about me. Well, so, so I have to ask you this because I'm always, I've seen, I've seen your job title in a couple of different places. And I know, so Community America has a huge, I guess it feels like a cultural focus based on what I know of the organization for innovation. Like you walk into the the different locations around town and you have like the, those kiosks. Those are so handy. I love them, by the way. Yeah. I just want you to know that. Um, but <laughs> You, you have a, a, a big focus on innovation. And so your title is actually chief innovation officer. And I really, I just wanted, I'm going to take this very selfish opportunity to ask you, you know, in your day to day as yeah. chief innovation officer, what does that look like? Yeah, I know it's a great question because, you know, it's funny. Um, I will tell you the story and it will give you good context and, you know, all the more reason for the question. I mean, when you look at innovation labs, around, and that's what we, I run a lab um, around the country. There's hundreds of them, 90% of them fail. And in fact, when our CEO, who's this Lisa Ginter, who's truly a visionary, asked me to take this job or consider this job, I, I, I spent, I had two hours with her and members of the board. And I spent the first hour trying to talk her out of doing this because 90% failure rate, you, it's hard to measure success. It takes you at least two years to really see, um, you know, real, real um, efficacy. You're putting hard numbers on soft values. It's hard to integrate. So I actually showed it to those of you who know Paul Graham's trough of sorrow. I actually shared that <laughs> with her. But then, then um, after I completely killed her buzz, I said, you know, how can we actually build this to make it effective? And so. I will tell you the, and it hasn't really changed. And I've been doing this for you know three and a half years now. The work that we do starts with a very strong strategic filter, and I, you know I, I think so many labs and incubators can get really um, can get distracted with you know lots of objects or technology for technology's sake. We have a very strategic filter to, in terms of the kind of what we're trying to deliver for our members. The second thing is, and there's, you know, there's some uh, labs that are really focused on technology. We are more of a consumer-driven organization where our thinking is deep insights into our members and then building products and services and experiences from those insights. And you see a lot of labs do the reverse. So they'll come in and say, hey, I've got this new, you know, machine learning, you know, that you know, you can use to connect to your phone that can, you know, you know, make your car turn on or something that, that isn't necessarily, it's more of a technology focus. That to me is a secondary thing. So that that's really important for us in terms of how we, how we screen this. And then the third thing I'll say just in terms of the context is 
there's different kinds of innovation, you know, and just at a very high level, there's incremental where, you know, you're taking a product and making it red to blue on one side. And then there's disruptive, which you're trying to come up with the next Tesla. The, the space that we focus on is what's called adjacent innovation, where you're taking your current products and services, but you're twisting it or you're taking your capabilities and changing it in a way that is different enough, but ultimately is rooted in really delivering against that consumer insight. And honestly, when you look at the data, 80% of true innovation happens there. So with that as context, what we do on a day-to-day -day basis is really simple in that we look at certain key segments of our member base and we think about what are the products or services or, and branded experiences that we believe can deliver across that insight or that problem in a way that no one else can. So I don't know yeah. if that helps give you a sense of the context, but that's, and that's really been pretty consistent um, the last several years I've been here. Yeah. Well, and, and that's, that's really fascinating. And I, and I love your approach. Like, let's start with the insights we can glean from data and then let's build a strategy. Like we're not, we're not here to innovate just for innovation's sake. We're here to build a strong culture and build a strong suite of products and in, in different ways for us to serve our, our members. Also just uh, want to note for the folks playing at home, you know, with credit unions, you have members rather than clients or customers. And I love the fact that credit unions, each member has a stake of ownership in the performance of the entity, um, you know, and that's how you get that, that real community kind of feel like not only am I a, an account holder here, but I have pride of ownership in this beautiful organization that's being built. And I just, I think that's so cool. And it's really important to note that. Um, so, so I want to ask you this, because we're, we're going to talk about some of those big clients a little bit later, but you and I actually, uh, we, we have some experience in working together on a couple of different fronts. Um, you know, first things first, you know, one of the things that you talk about is serving your clients in the different demographics. You know, you do a lot of work through Community America with youth yeah. initiatives and entrepreneurship. Um, so I wanted to talk about that briefly and just kind of pick your brain. Like, ha have you gained any insights about the emerging market? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we spend so much time, you know, on that young set. We call them Generation Z. You've heard the term. And they, they, they're, so just a couple of things for those who may not know, they are the, there's 61 million of them, ages 14 to 24, they're entering the workforce. They are the largest generation. And I call them, they're literally the smartest, not smartest generation you will ever meet. In the sense <laughs> that they, they are, so in terms of them being brilliant, they, they have two things that distinguish them that are different than any other, uh, audience or uh, generation, they're obviously really, really tech savvy, but they're very, uh, they have a lot of ingenuity. So you give them, give them an internet connection and 40 bucks and they can start, a, they'll start a business. Right. They, they're intuitively able to do that and they have great empathy. So they're the most diverse generation. They care more about equality and empathy than any other. And that, as you know, Lauren, so well that that notion of technology and understanding who, you know, walking in other people's shoes, those are key ingredients to really win in the world. So that's why they rock. 
where they are not strong is making the making the jump from school to work. There is such a big gap in, you know, understanding like they can, you know, they can mine bit currency, but they don't know how to mail a letter. You know, they don't, right. they don't, they don't know when you in a, in an office space, like how to email and communicate. And so those are the basics that I think all of us as um, adults should work on. And the only last thing I'll say, just as a quick thing, especially for those of you who have parents, have parents in the audience, making sure that they know, you know, that school teaches you to memorize something, take the test and forget it. So, and it's a syllabus, so you know exactly what's going to happen. Well, as right. you know, born in your world, like, you know, that's there's not no, the way the world that, works. No, they, you have to kind of, you have to have the confidence and ability to use sort of that computer in your pocket and go figure stuff out and feeling confident to do that. Yeah. Um, that's a skill that kids need to start working on now. So it's, it's a really been a fun segment to work on. And we spend a lot of time on entrepreneurship and really going hard around financial education right now. And um, it's been really, really, really good. I, yeah. I just, I'm loving the work. Well, that, that is awesome. And I, and I know that community America, like you have, you have become something of a, a bank of choice um, or a credit union of choice for uh, startups and small companies. And so yeah. I know like, I, I think that there are a lot of folks and founders who are really, really drawn to that community feel with some tech tool. I mean, I got to tell it like the mobile check deposit saves my life. I, I am a community America account holder, by Thank the you. way. Thank uh, you. <laughs> so huge fan. Um, yeah, but so, so how does, I, I'm going to ask you this and then we're going to catapult into another conversation, but how does community America look out for the little guy or support some of those smaller organizations? Yeah. I mean, that it it's a we try to be uh we try to have two opposing factors we are really focused on providing the cutting edge technology to create to reduce friction and make it seamless so you, mm -hmm. that's that's necessary but what but what our superpower we're very good at that by the way our technology and our system and you've talked about it but our superpower is the fact that you can talk to someone and get great advice and experience because especially when you're a prosumer or a small entrepreneur and your your banker I and mean, you think about your kitchen cabinet your banker is the person that's going to be <laughs> you know they are, they are essential to your success and i will tell you knowing that team you know, they're out on nights and weekends and they're doing whatever they can to support and help. And it is non-scalable. And we, we have made a commitment to having resources that really understand our business. And that's why, I mean, we, we do get a lot of startups and they, and they tell us that the kind of service we get, the kind of experience, the ability to kind of bend over backwards, not always, but we will do everything we can. And it is a relic of the past, but it is so critical that one-to-one, -one, I know you, I care about you. I, I believe in For your, sure. you can't really fake that. You can't yeah. fake that. So that's, that's the two things that we draw and we, and that's, 
that's our focus. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it it absolutely does. And I, I can tell you that as a consumer, um, I have definitely seen that reflected in, in my customer journey. Um, and I know many, many others who have felt that as well. So, so one of the things that Community America, and I've noticed this um, over the years that you've, you've kind of been on my radar, but one of the things that you are very, very good at um, is, is pulling in those those big clients. Um, and I guess that I get the, the number one that I can think of right off the top of my head is you have a pretty big or you had a, it, at least you had a pretty big partnership with the Kansas City Chiefs that I know that you have partnerships with other organizations around town. I know that you have kind of built a name on catering to the little guy, but then also offering that technology, that ease, that, uh, you know, convenience, that mm-hmm. service that attracts big players as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what does that what does that look like for for Community America? I mean, yeah. do you all sit around a big table and just kind of eh, maybe we'll reach out to so and so this week? Like, what does <laughs> no, that look like? no, no, that's not. So I, <laughs> in terms of the, I call them strategic big partnerships. I give all the credit to our CEO. We, there's a whole army of people that support her, but she is extremely visionary about and intentional about picking partners that align with her strategically um, and working together for common, common goals. So, and it, it's like a marriage, it takes work. And so we don't enter into them lightly and we, but we do enter to, in them for the long haul. So our partnership with the Chiefs is a long-term partnership. We just entered a relationship with the Royals and it's a long-term partnership. We've yeah. got a few other things that we're looking at, but they will be, they're very thoughtful. And it's not just about, I think if I can impress upon you, it's not about an exchange of services and money. It's about do their vision, their mission, what they believe to be true in terms of how they're helping their customers, does it align with ours? And if right. we think there's a fit in terms of the values and the culture, then um, then we sort of double down. And again, this is really, it's really driven from our CEO. And then we as a team work together to help realize the vision. Yeah. Well, so, so just as a point of reference, you know, what are some of the values that you are looking for in other organizations? Because like, like, well, I mean, just as a for instance, you know, when I think of the Royals and when I think of Community America, I think about, you know, integrity, like that for whatever reason, like that's one of the values that like pops into my head. But like, what, what alignments are you looking for from a cultural standpoint? Yeah, I think at that strategic level, I think it is, um, it's not a zero sum game. It's about one plus one equals five. So the mentality of someone who can say, I'm going to change my position to win for the broader organization. So I think it's more of a mindset. And I think that translates to um, when, you know, you know, a, a smaller business is trying to interact with us or any client. I think it's, about being straightforward, being plain spoken, being forthright, having ethics, having values, 
respecting one another, caring about each other. It's really, it's almost like this, this Midwestern sensibility. But to be clear, just so there's no confusion, we have a fierce sense of winning and winning for our members. So it is a, we have a, we are very competitive when it comes to win for our members because <laughs> our members are our shareholders. Um, so don't sure. just like we sit around and say, you know, you know, uh, let's, let's have lunch together. It's, it really comes down to this value system as well as kind of a fierce drive to compete and win, but a sense of a partner mentality. And you know what I mean? Sure. Like a partner where if we come in together, the ultimate end is going to be bigger than the, the, the sum of the parts. And that's, that is really a mindset that is infused in our entire culture. I, that, that makes me so happy. And I'm like, yeah, that, that, that's an example of yet another value that is in alignment. You know, the chiefs and the Royals, they win for their fans. Community America wins for their members. And yes, right. you know, imagine at the end of the year, like getting that kind of that annual report and seeing, Hey, community America was successful, but yeah. not just that they were successful for me in addition to because of me like that's it's just so cool uh well so so we're talking about partners here and i do just really quickly want to remind you startup hustle has an amazing partner uh in helium 10 today's episode is sponsored by our friends over at helium 10 they have over 30 tools to help you research start and manage your business on amazon which i think is super cool i've looked into it in the past managing your business on amazon it, it's not it, it's no joke it's a difficult thing so i wish, I had, it. I wish I had it when we were when we were marketing our consumer products our right like i mean just really you know, an organization that is there when you need them to help you figure out what you don't, you never know what you don't know, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, so they've got all of these tools that can help you research and help you manage your business. So get all the tools you need to run and grow your business by signing up at helium10.com. Startup hustlers get 50% off by using the code hustle. And we are very, very grateful for that. So the next, the question that I want to ask you and, and, and I feel like this might be a little bit of an obvious one, but I'm going to ask it anyway, because I feel like it. <laughs> but what is the what is the value of landing a big client? Be, I mean, money, of course. But what are some of the things that landing a big client can help you with, but, you know, perceived and real benefits? Yeah, I mean, I think especially your first big client, that anchor client, um, it gives you credibility. It gives you the ability to, uh, yeah, it's just a brand cue. It gives yeah. you, I mean, it obviously gives you money, but it's, it's a brand cue and a signal for other brands that you're actually credible. Yeah. And it's important. And the first one is always the hardest. Like, you know, I was telling, we were talking earlier, Lauren, that I've been on both sides. I have, I have been in a company where I worked at Sprint, where I had a $600 million budget and I ran media and advertising. I like to say, I've never been prettier. I've never had, people have never laughed louder than in the, my jokes when I was there because I had so many people selling to me. Sure. And then I had, but then I've been on the other side where I've had to just sell to big, big, large organizations. It's really, really, really hard. That first one is the most, this is by far and away the most difficult. And then hopefully, it gets easier from there. 
Yeah. I don't know if you remember this, but um, a while back we were working on some, some funding opportunities for an organization and you like when we were kind of strategizing and talking about how we were going to approach these meetings and approach these proposals, um, you just had, you had it on lock, like your whole attitude, like you were just, you were very clear. You were like, find the value for them and then find a way to sell to the value for them. And it like, I just remember having this series of conversations with you where I was just blown away. I was like, she really, really gets it. And not only Mm -hmm. that, she knows how to communicate it in a way that is accessible and actionable. Um, and so, so thank you for that, because you definitely gave me a bit of an education uh, when it comes to, you know, really selling, you know, selling your brand, selling yourself to, to another organization, to a potential client, to a potential funder. Um, so, so what are some of your, your best practices for, yeah. for acquiring big clients? You've, you've got, I feel like you have so much wisdom in yours. <laughs> Well, I'll give you some thoughts and some some macro tips, but then I'll give you some really like ticky tacky tips because I think sometimes it's the mechanics that make all the difference. Absolutely. First of all, it, it, it's hard. Okay, so it's just you know you're you're a you're a startup. You need clients and revenue, and you have to start by knowing. And it's obvious, but it bears repeating. It's take large customers take a long time. And being patient and setting, if I can say one thing, set expectations for the CEO or your funder, you know, they're going to put pressure on you to fill the pipeline and to get sales faster, you know, try to be as intellectually honest as you can. I know it's a challenge, but I think coming in the door, let me just walk through. So walk, getting into the door, like how do you get into the door? There's three thing there's three ways that typically happen one is through marketing so hopefully you've got really good lead gen if you don't i strongly recommend you get someone who knows how to do content marketing and lead gen when i was at um, ad knowledge or not ad parlor we used hubspot and it can shorten your cycle it's about six months but your marketing department should be able, or your, or your marketing guy, or maybe it's your wife or your brother maybe it's you. <laughs> maybe it's you on the other side, but they can shorten the cycle so that when they actually, you actually get a deal or get a lead, it's a warm lead. So I think that's, if you are, you yeah. know, when you have more than one guy, if you have like three or five, that's the first thing I would do with your marketing group. But I also think most of the leads are going to come from friends and family. And most of the meetings that come on my desk are people that are connections. So a brother, an employee, a network, an alumni, a boss, a boss's boss, a board member, 99% of the meetings I take are because someone is asking me to. And I think it's really important to know that because I'm not asking for the meeting. I'm doing it as a favor to someone. And you're barring that kind of brand credibility of that person. And yeah. the only thing I say that's super important, Lauren, is because I'm probably not the decision maker. I'm a guide and I'm probably not in the market for your product. And so how you work with and 99% of the conversations you're having with a complex um, customer 
are going to be like me. I'm not the decision maker. I don't have the budget. And I probably, so how do you work me in a way that actually can produce outcomes? Does that make sense? So I don't know about like the the phrase work you, like if you can, like, you know, like, yeah, leverage the, what are the other buzzwords? Leverage the relationship. (laughs) Whatever. But I, I, I see your point. Yeah. So let's, I just wanted to give a couple of comments because I think this is like where most people, the two areas that I think people I see could improve is email. I just want to just park on email for a second. Yeah. So email is like your enemy and your friend at the same time. So I don't know how you do email, but this is how I was taught and I've worked on this a lot. So this would be my wisdom. I would impart for you to either write it down or round file it, but Step oh, one, like crazy. <laughs> step one is like an introduction where you're like, and you obviously say, Joe recommended I call you. Obviously, you're going to connect however we met, which I think is really, really smart. Number, so that's the first thing. You will probably not get a response right away, only because unless it's my boss or my CEO or, you know, my mother or something like that. Right. Uh, because we get on average 100 emails a day. Sure. And so if you're new, if you're brand new, if you're that generation Z, you're going to think, oh, um, I don't want to bother here. Uh, but if you've been around a while, you know, it's just because we're busy. So the second email, which is a week later, is subject bumping up this to your inbox or gentle reminder. You're just you're just gently putting it back into the box. Does that make sense? Yeah. And you probably are sure. not going to get a response unlikely unless again it's my mother who recommended me um and then the third would be you know something like and i've seen this done i'll see if i can pull it up you know uh you know know you're really busy uh tell me you know one you have too much time and you're not interested number two you're just busy and haven't got to it or three you know you don't have any you know you're not um you've moved on, just let me, or you want to talk or whatever, let me know what number it is. And I'll let you know, like just something very, very simple like that is a very effective tactic. And I'll, I'll see if I can pull it up. But I saw someone do that. And I like that. And then well, the and quick, I, I want to just note that, like, I think that one of the most valuable tools that you could have to support this process that you're talking about is like, is a sturdy CRM, you yes. know, to help you manage, like say that you have 20 prospective clients on a list. Okay. I need a system that is going to help me kind of track and trigger yes. when to follow up, when to. So, so highly recommend. Like, I'm, yes. I'm a CRM geek. I'm a CRM. Um, geek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because managing this stuff like all on your lonesome is just gonna, it's gonna, yeah. it's gonna drive you crazy. And there are some really cheap ones. I mean, you can build Airtable. Is one yeah. that you have. I use Airtable a lot. I'm obsessed with Airtable. I think my. Uh, <laughs> my developer wants to marry Airtable. Um, yeah. But I've used, I've used Infusionsoft. They're really inexpensive. I've used um, HubSpot if you get Zoho right. has like a free option, I think up yeah. to like a certain number of contacts or something. Like, I mean, just mm-hmm. do a Google search. You can find any, any yeah. number of tools, but just find a system that will help you track and manage all of these different relationships that you're trying to build. Totally. And yeah. then the last one I'll say, this is like the, this is the ultimate secret weapon for if you don't get anyone to respond to you this is it this is like the one that will will give you an 85 percent response rate yeah. and that is the subject line you write 
this is after four or five weeks of trying, you write, did I do something wrong? And this oh, is where man, you're going to go in for the guilt trip. You know, <laughs> into the Catholic guilt, Asian <laughs> guilt that we all feel. Jerk for not responding. And you will respond. So, and again, everyone has their own system, but that's probably one of the biggest questions I get. So that's what I would use anyway. Yeah. And then yeah. So anyway, so that's that like is, that is too funny. All right. So so you have so somebody you send this email yeah. and somebody responds back to you and they're like, No, no, you didn't do anything wrong. Let's set up a time yeah. to chat. Yeah, they will, uh, so, they will, they will, they will, they will feel bad about themselves, <laughs> which is what you want. Cause you want the meeting. Cause you've got to get a deal. You got to yeah. get the deal done. But, and then I guess the only other thing I would say is once you do get the meeting, um, it, this is tough because you don't know, you're trying to make a connection. You're trying to make a sale. And the only thing, the, just a couple of things I just want to mention there is I've seen it where you have, there's no agenda. And remember, like, remember that um, we talked about Generation Z and, you know, they have the attention span of a goldfish. It's eight seconds. Sure. Executives are exactly the same level, you know, yeah. maybe 10 seconds. And so that first minute or two really counts. And so I've seen meetings where there's no agenda and we just want to sit and talk. And I, I want to just take a dull butter knife to my wrist because I'm yeah. so busy and I have no, I mean, what's, what's the purpose? Yeah stream where you're like flying through a hundred slides, you know, the middle is really the key is like, you've done your work, you're prepared, you yeah. know what, you know, a little bit about the company. I just, I, especially if it's a, if it's someone who's not the decision maker, resist the urge to try to make a sale. The goal yeah. is to create a relationship. Because I will tell you that I have, and they don't even know this, I have recommended products and services to my other friends and colleagues, even though I don't, won't use them, but I liked yeah. what they did, but it's, it's not about trying to get the sale right away. It's about building a relationship. And I know you've heard the um, expression, if you want to get... If you want, if you ask for money, you'll get advice. Yeah. If you ask for advice, you're more likely to get money. Yeah. I think the same is true here. I think, especially if you don't know the person and you don't know if there's a fit, basically just sharing the information and saying, what do you think? You're right. probably going to get a better set of outcomes than trying to sell me something. Yeah. Um, but you can play around with it. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it, it makes total sense. And I love that because I, I think that in today's global economy, you know, we, there are so many competitors out there and you, you certainly have the shoppers who are looking for like the lowest cost or they're looking for the quickest turnaround or, or what have you. But I think that a lot of consumers, and I would go so far as to say most, is most want to have a relationship of some kind and they want to know that, you know, you understand my pain points and you're working to address them. 
And, and in order for us to have a productive, mutually beneficial relationship, like you get the sale, but then I get to use the product or I get to use the service or I, you know, I get the stuff. And so there's this, like, it's a symbiotic relationship that you're kind of building, starting with guilt, but, you know, over the course of time, you know, having, having command of your data, you know, understanding your customer answering questions, you know, like establishing yourself as an expert, like there are any number of things that you can do that have nothing to do with making a sale that have everything to do with making a sale. You know, (laughs) I agree. I agree. You said that so well. And I would, I would go into that first meeting is your goal is to just be prepared and learn and build a relationship. Because what I would say about most industries, even though we're global, most industries are like high school. So like yeah. credit unions, I, you know, you don't think about it initially, but I probably know a third of the credit union executives now. Or if you're an ad tech, like you get to know. And what's so interesting is I think so many people, they'll they'll try to sell to, let's say it's sold to me and a couple of other folks within, and then they, and then they stop. There's, and I know you're, you've got to be really efficient with your time, which is obviously why you do need a CRM. But, you know, when we were selling a startup, it's called Mighty Good. We had a little product called Mighty Mighty Handle. Um, Ben Rando, who's the the founder of the company, and I finally went to the, went to Walmart and the buyer and we had a meeting and the buyer said, oh yeah. And we ended up making the sale the buyer had been pitched that same, that our product by two brokers in advance and the brokers never told us My oh, wow. that had we known that we wouldn't have even tried. Right. And so you just to be annoying, but what happens is, I guess my point is that organizations shift, they change, the needs change. And so be very strategic about the people that you want to be your advocate, people can be your advocates, even though they're not your customers. And so right. like, you know, um, Destiny Wealth, like I love those guys. I, they're not, I, we are going a different path, but I would advocate for them. You know, Donald Hawkins, I mean, he's done sure. a lot. I think he is wonderful. It's not right now. We are not, um, we're not right for it now, but I would advocate for him and his work and so I think knowing that that can be sometimes as valuable, obviously you make a sale, but I think those are those contextual things that it just takes time and effort, but in the long run can be very helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. That was a, like, that was like a mic drop drop moment right there for, <laughs> for Anita Newton. Um, so, so I, I have left us, I I've actually left us some, a little bit of additional time for this last question that I'm going to ask you. And it's the human question, but I'm going to ask yours a little differently than I do most. Yours has a little bit more meat on its bones. It's not quite so fluffy. And I apologize for that in advance. Uh, But I want to, one of the things that you mentioned, you know, you have two kids and clearly you have a you have a very innovative mind. I know that your your husband has a very innovative mind. Like you're you're kind of an innovation family. And so I want to ask you this because I'm just I'm very interested. 
what do you do around the the Newton family table to encourage maybe not like entrepreneurship, but entrepreneurial thinking, innovation? What do you do to model that for your kids yeah. or to encourage that in your kids? That is, I love that question so much. <laughs> I can tell you, because I think it is the most important thing a parent can do for their children. For so sure. the, the, the three things, I mean, first, I was really lucky in that I've always had startups since my kids were growing up. So they grew up putting, you know, products in press release bags and being <laughs> on photo shoots and like all of the, so they've kind of grown around up around it. But I think, you know, the conversations at dinner, we do have a lot of conversations and it's about anything. I think it's more about letting people asking, asking questions, even though they may seem um, more older, like uh, we talked a lot about politics and, um, you know, uh, all the things that were going on this summer with Black Lives Matters and whatever the answer is, encouraging it even, and just having spirited debates or just treating our, we've always treated our, you know, teenagers as adults. Um, so I think that's the second thing. And I think the third, the most important thing, if I can say anything is have your student or, you know, niece, nephew, son, daughter, have them participate in the gig economy. If I can say one thing, so whatever they love, if they are, yeah. if they love guitar, have them do a YouTube channel. If they make slime, have them set up Etsy. My, um, my, you know, if they love to write, have them do a blog because the act of tinkering, you know, my son, he, um, he loved shoes. So he flipped shoes and he like figured it out. Or my daughter likes to write. So she created, and just the act of tinkering and figuring out the economy and the gig economy and how things work. That is how you learn to yeah. figure out and get away from that. Let me recite the war of 1812 to what you were talking about, which is how to problem solve and think differently and be innovative. And they figure it out themselves. That is the, that is the most important. I'll say one last thing for those of parents who are like really um, in it to win it. Yeah. This will be when they apply for internships, they, the employer is not going to ask them. So tell me about your biology AP exam. They're going to say, yeah whoa, what, like, tell me about this YouTube channel. And your student is going to light up the room because they're so passionate. Right. And they learn communications, prompts off all of those things. So I think that is the number one thing I would ask anyone to do. I think it's just, it sets you up for success like nothing else. Yeah. I was like, really, I kind of got on a roll there. I just, I was like, no, no was like, I love that so much. And I knew that you were going to have a lot to say about it. Well, because I know how, like, I, you're a great mom, like from I, everything that I've seen, you're a great mom, but I know that you have an innovative mind and I've seen you work personally with students on kind of that, that entrepreneurial thought process. And I was like, you know, I could ask a dumb quite like, I mean, all right, you know, if you could travel anywhere, where would you travel to? Like, I, I, I could ask you that and feel free to answer if you like, but I was like, you know, Africa. I have this, this uh, oh yeah, <laughs> maybe two different trips. Awesome. Fair enough. 
but no, I just, I wanted to, I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Cause I think I've seen you in action enough, uh, you know, working around kids or I'm like, I bet she'd have some really good insights. And I was right. Uh, so, you know, Anita, I, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to talk with us today. I, we, we talked about a bunch of different topics, but, um, this was lovely. And I, I always love talking to you. Well, I, just, I, um, I am such a fan of you and the work that you're doing. And I think this is so helpful. And I'm just, I'm so privileged to, I'm so, I'm so honored to have come on your show and thank you for having me. And if anyone has any questions, I'll put, um, you, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. It's Anita Newton. I think I'm the only one happy yeah. to answer questions, but thank you again for having me. It was, it was yeah, a lot of and, fun. And, and definitely do. I mean, when, when you're talking about powerhouse, brilliant minds, um, you know, Anita Newton is like, Definitely at the tops of my list. Uh, another one that is at the tops of my list is is Helium 10. Once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle was sponsored by Helium 10. Helium 10 is cutting edge software that helps you grow your business on Amazon, which more of us would love to do. So start your own journey by visiting helium10.com to scale your business on Amazon today. Remember to use Hustle, the code Hustle for half off. Thank you so much, listeners. This is Lauren Conaway signing off, and we will catch you on the flip side. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.